0: Good, good morning, and welcome to Back to School Blessing 2020. How about it? We are so, so excited. This is something we started doing about seven years ago or so, which doesn't even seem possible, but it's true. I
1: think our kids were still in school when we started. Yeah, they
0: were. They were. But we love this day, not only for what it means for those who are going back to school, but what it means for our church family, for us to rally around those folks, and especially this year, when back to school looks different than it has ever looked in the history of ever.
1: But we would love to take this time, whether you're in lo- online or in the house, we would love for all the kids who are going back to school to stand up because we want to say a special prayer for you. So just stand where you are and I'd love to pray for you, all the kids. Even if you're in college, that's still that's a kid. Right. Still a kid.
2: Student.
1: A student. That's right. We'll pray for you. God, we thank you so much for your promises, your promises of provision. God, we thank you that you are in control when we are not. Mm. And we ask right now, God, that you hover over all these students, that you remind them of your presence, that you remind them of your provision, that you remind them that you are in control. Give them the peace, the hope, the joy that they need, the tenacity, the grit to do the work to get your job done. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen, amen. All the students can sit down. Man, we do this every year, but I think especially this year, we want to take a special moment and pray for all of the parents of students who should be going back to school or are going back online or already are online, if you're a mom or a dad of a student of any age, would you please stand to your feet so we can pray for you and also honor you in this moment. It's unbelievable what y'all are doing. I wanna pray for you especially right now. Father, in this moment and in this season particularly, we lift up these moms and dads. Father, we pray that you would give them your strength, your power. God, your wisdom and your presence. God, may they draw on your strength, on your power. We pray, God, for wisdom beyond our years and ask that you would do what only you can do. We thank you for these moms and these dads and we lift them up to you and pray your blessings on them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank y'all so much. Y'all are gonna have a seat.
1: And now we wanna honor and pray for anyone who works in a school, the teachers, the administrators, yeah. the decision makers, anyone. If you play a role in any way in schools, would you please stand up? We'd love to pray for you. You know what, I'm gonna give them a hand right now.
0: Amen. <laughs> wow.
1: We can't imagine. I was a classroom teacher and The the excitement for back to school was just, there's nothing like it. And I can't imagine what all of you are feeling and thinking right now. So we would love to pray for you. And if you are online or if you have, um, if you know a teacher, an educator, a decision maker, or um, anyone who's involved in schools, would you please let them know that our church loves them, is for them, and is praying for them. Let's pray for them right now. God, we thank you so much so much for men and women who choose to serve by loving and teaching our children and our students. God, we ask right now that you step in in a big way, that you give them wisdom, discernment, clarity, and creativity to do this job in such an uncertain season. And God, we ask for an extra measure of protection an extra measure of safety and help for them and those who live in their homes. And, and we ask God that you make your presence known. Let them feel your presence. Let them feel your strength as they do their job to love and serve our kids. God, thank you for those who serve in this way. In Jesus' name. And everybody said
0: amen. 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 Thank
2: y'all, thank
1: you so much. I, I love this tradition. I
2: do too. I
1: love back to school, I love back to school blessing. I love remembering the kids, remembering the parents. I cannot say it enough how much our church sees not just the opportunity, but the responsibility to rally around our local schools, yeah. public, private, homeschool, all the people teaching. I hope you feel our love and our support. Again, not just an opportunity we have, but we believe it's a responsibility. So much so that I hadn't even sat down yet.
0: I know, I noticed that. I, I mean,
1: that's how, that's how deeply I feel it. I hope you feel that from me right now. I do, I just <laughs> love it so much. And I think that those of us who are on the outside looking in, you know, like I said, we started this tradition when we had kids at home and we're empty nesters now. Can I get a whoop whoop? We are empty Ooh. nesters. But we still love back to school because, again, what an opportunity. We have to rally around those who are affected um, by um, everything that's going on with schools right now. Our family, though, um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. We don't do change well at all. We don't do different. We don't adapt so quickly. We know it's part of life, and and we try to equip our children. But I'll go ahead and say it. They got it from me. They got it from me. Um, I'm gonna show you a picture of our kids. Let's see, this is a pretty recent picture of them from Christmas. Here we go, we have Joe. And then, um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm not getting emotional, that is Joe, but I'm not emotional about it. Um, <laughs> Mac is the crier. But okay, we have Joe and Allison and Emily and Sylvie. Joe and Emily, you know, grew up in our home, and then our bonus girls, um, Allison and Sylvie, and they're all of our dogs, yes. Oh, look how little nuggets they were, weren't they, at Christmas? Well, y'all, I show this picture because it wasn't long before this picture that I had informed the kids of a major change in our family. And I let them know about it. Really, it wasn't long before this photo. I let them know that I was changing the mantle decorations next Christmas. Yeah, I know, I know. It, it, It was such a big deal that I knew I needed to give them 12 months to prepare. So I've been talking about it for a couple of years. And that and may not be enough. It may not. I will still have a, some upset people on my hands, but I've been talking about it for a couple of years and I said, guys, I think I'm ready to do something new with the mantle, just something different. Karen Berry does an amazing job and she's got some new ideas, you know, that she wants to do with the mantle. And they were like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> no, no, no. Christmas means this on the mantle. And so right before this picture, actually like a week or two, I said, I need y'all to enjoy the mantle this year because next year it's gonna look different. And I know that that's a change for you. And I know that change can be hard, but I believe in you. <laughs> I believe that you can do it. Guys, do you think it's gonna, are you ready for it? No, Allison still says no. Yeah. Our family, we just don't do change.
0: Well, that's true. Some of us do it better than others. There are degrees of okay, how well we handle Okay, what he's it. trying
1: to say is that he loves change. Is that we it's all not really for me to fight, say, change, and he is like, oh my word, I love it's it. It's an
0: adventure. It's- Let's all do this together. And yeah. they look at me like I have three heads.
1: I try not to think it's weird.
0: But here's the bottom line. The bottom line is we firmly believe that our children, all of whom are now deep into their 20s, will survive. Even something as traumatic as changing Christmas decorations. I know. I know how that sounds, but we believe in them and we believe that they absolutely have been equipped and, and through digging deep into their spiritual and emotional reservoirs, they will survive. Because here's the fact, all change, all transitions, no matter how traumatic or how trivial, all require a certain amount of survival mode. That's why we picked Survivor as a theme for this back-to-school blessing Sunday because whether you're going back to school or not, we all experience change. We all experience transitions. And the reality is this also, that the more or the less control that we have over those changes, the more traumatic the changes and the transitions can become. If we feel like change is being thrust upon us, if, it, if we're being thrown into uncertainty and unknown circumstances, then our capacity for change changes. And it actually can really and truly throw us if we're not really careful. So today, we wanna to talk about, obviously we, we believe in back-to-school blessing and we wanna honor those who teach and lead in our schools. And and those who are newly teaching and leading in our schools at home, we want to lift you up and encourage you, but we also want to challenge and call you out and call you up to what God has in store for us through change, through transitions, whatever it might be, whenever it might be. This is not a back to school specific message. This is not only a COVID message. This is about life in general because all change presents the opportunity for growth. All change presents the opportunity for growth. And really the thesis or the bottom line of our message today is one of hope and one of power to tell you that the reality is our capacity for growth is determined by our comfort with discomfort. I wanna say that again. Our capacity for growth is determined by our comfort with discomfort. No matter what part of life you're talking about, go to the the core of who you are as a human being, created in the image of God at a soul, spiritual level, at at a relational, at an emotional level, at any part of life. Our capacity for growth is determined by our comfort with discomfort.
1: And the book of Daniel gives us an a great example, a great example of three guys who were facing uncertainty, facing a difficult circumstance, facing a challenging, challenging, even even a dangerous situation. Mm. But they did it with strength with poise, and with confidence. And that's what we wanna look at because the Bible gives us so many examples of people who face challenging circumstances, stories that we say in LHC Kids all the time. What's our responsibility when we read these stories? It's to stop and say, God, what can we learn today that we can apply to our life tomorrow? And so that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when we teach in LHC Kids, I always start by saying this. Raise your hand if you have any friends named Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, yeah, me neither. Okay. So King Nebuchadnezzar, he was in charge in Babylon and he had made a law. He had, he had declared that he built this gold statue and everyone, say everyone. Everyone. Everyone is to bow at the gold statue whenever they hear the music. Not just some people, but who? Everyone. Everyone. was to bow. And so he did the thing. He put the gold statue out there. They played the music. And most of the people obeyed the king and bowed down. Why? Because he had said, if you don't bow down to the idol, then you will be thrown into, does anyone know? Thrown into. I I heard it. I heard the fiery furnace. You will be thrown into the
0: Fiery furnace. Fiery
1: furnace. I have some LHD kids in here. This is amazing. You'll be thrown into the fiery furnace, but King got word that there were three guys who did not bow down. Mm. And so he called them. He called Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to him and he said, tell me, actually the Bible says that he was in great rage. He was angry. And he said, tell me about why you would not bow down because I want to give you one more chance. King Nebuchadnezzar said to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He said if you don't bow down you will be thrown into the
0: fiery furnace
1: fiery furnace i love what shadrach meshach and abednego replied oh nebuchadnezzar i love that oh not just king nebuchadnezzar but oh in my mind they did that oh nebuchadnezzar (laughs) we do not need to defend ourselves before you if we are thrown into the blazing furnace I want you to read the highlighted words with me. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is, is able, able to, to save us. us. The God whom we serve, not, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we won't burn, we can do it, but who will save them? Their God will save them. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we wanna we want make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve the gods, your gods, or worship the gold statue you've set up. Our God that we serve is able to save us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew that their situation was uncertain, but they were certain that God could save them. They didn't know at the time that God would save them, but they said either way, whether he saves us or not, God is still God even when I can't see him, even when he doesn't do exactly what I want him to, God is still God. God is able. Their confidence was not in their ability to maintain the heat. (laughs) Their confidence was in their almighty God. The situation was uncertain, but they remained certain that God is able. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is able.
0: God is able.
1: God is able. Even in the midst of uncertainty, even in the midst of the difficult situation, even in the midst of the dangerous consequences, they were confident in God's sovereignty. They were confident in God's ability. They were confident in God's provision. Odds are you will not be thrown into the fiery furnace ever. <laughs> uh, odds are even in middle school, even in high school, you will not be threatened with a fiery furnace. But odds are you will be faced with a difficult disruption or an uncertain circumstance. Actually, odds are we all will be faced with that. And so what can we learn from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that we can arm ourselves with truth, that we can remain faithful, that we can believe, and we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that our God is able. Mm. Our God is able. You may not be thrown into the fiery furnace, but you may be thrown into possibly remote learning, remote working. It may be, that may be in your future, or even if you are not having to do remote learning right now. Maybe you're thrown into a new school, a new situation, a new friendship, a new job, a new home, a new city. Maybe it's an assignment, a job, a game, or a task that you've never done before and you don't feel equipped for. Maybe it's an unexpected or unplanned circumstance that had nothing to do with decisions you made. But I want to remind you that wherever you find yourself, whatever uncertain circumstance, whatever difficult disruption, God is able, and God will give you what you need. Let's look at Philippians 4.13, and I want you to read the highlighted words with me. Ready, is it up on the screen? I wanna make sure you're ready to read. you see the highlighted words? Give me a thumbs up if you see the highlighted words. Okay, here we go. I can do all things. things through Christ who strengthens me. Notice there's not a period after all things. Mm -hmm. I can do all things. Actually, the truth of the matter is, I can't do all things. But I can do all things when God is with me. I am able when God is on my side. I can do all things through Christ, who gives me the strength, I can do all things. I can do hard things, I can do new things, I can do uncertain things, I can do unexpected things, I can do undesirable things. I can do all things through Christ. Through Christ, who gives me strength. You see, my strength, my confidence comes not in my ability, comes not in Well, I've actually never been through a pandemic before. This is new for me. It's not like I can look back and go, remember that time we made it through? Yeah, that was amazing. We got an opportunity to do it again. No, this is new. This is uncertain. But I am confident in the uncertainty because I am confident in God's sovereignty. Mm -hmm. I can lean into the uncertainty. I can lean into the unknown. I am peaceful in the uncertainty because I am peaceful with God's sovereignty. It's not about our ability. It's about our understanding of who is actually in control.
0: I just thought about something that we didn't even talk about her plan. I'm going off the cuff right now, which is her favorite thing to do. She loves it when I go off the cuff. I know, change,
1: (laughs) change, no.
0: But you did a phenomenal job when our kids were small. And then I don't know what happened. No, I mean, (laughs) I'm teasing. You did an incredible job throughout our kids' lives of even though you're not a fan of change, Julie, Julie grew up in two houses her whole life that were like blocks apart. So change is not her favorite thing, but your tone, your attitude toward change was always positive. And I, and it was because of your faith in Christ. It was because of your relationship with God that even though you didn't know where the change was necessarily leading always, you were willing to go into change because you did trust the sovereignty of God. You were willing to lean into that uncertainty. And that made all the difference for our kids. It's crazy, I think, how mom sets the tone for how kids respond. Now, dad, we're not off the hook. We still have a significant role to play. I think you could argue that how dad approaches mom with change, helps mom respond positively or negatively, but mom sets the tone for how the kids respond. And so if mom is like, okay, I don't know, but we'll figure this out, then that's going to be more than likely the tone that the kids take with them as well. So I just thought, You did a great job of that. Even though you you said you weren't a fan of change, you handled it great.
1: Thanks for saying that. I think God fills in the gaps, not if, but when we fall short. And we have to remember, moms, that we are a fountain and our kids are drinking our overflow. And we have to remember what we're spewing, even when we don't feel like it. The words we say, the attitude, you know, is super important.
0: So anyway, you did it. Thanks for saying that,
1: honey. You led me through it well. Go ahead, keep (laughs) (laughs) going.
0: Thanks for saying that from the heart. So... um, (laughs) but really and truly, all change requires survival mode. I, the first thing I thought about when we started praying about and thinking about this message was when you bring a baby home from the hospital. How many of you know that that is straight up survival mode? Can I see, can somebody help me preach that? I remember when Emily came home, she was our firstborn, but as a guy who had grown up with brothers, I remember getting home with Emily and thinking to myself, what do I do with a daughter? It was so overwhelming to me. And, and it was in that, and you do even forget about that part of it, you do go into survival mode because you're sleep deprived. You don't know what you're, you just eat whatever. Julie's dad, when he came for Emily's birth, his, he was there for 24 hours. But while he was there, he stocked our pantry and our refrigerator with comfort food. Just unbelievable. And so we, that's what we lived on for about a week and a half after Emily got home from I the found, hospital. I found
1: frozen Snickers in my freezer for like a year later. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing, it's amazing.
0: But all change requires Survival. But I think there's something inside of every single one of us that, that doesn't want to just survive. There, there, some of you may be thinking now, well, uh, survival seems like a really low bar. I thought we were supposed to thrive. I thought Jesus said, I have come that they may have life, that, that his purpose was to give life to our life, that it would be overflowing and abundant and, and full. And that's true. But sometimes, sometimes, We have to focus on just surviving in order to get to the place where we, again, are thriving. And that's what we're talking about. So right now, you may not be in a fiery furnace. You may not be in a a season of upheaval. But I promise you, this will matter for you at some point. You will come back to this and go, oh, yeah, I I remember that thing about change and transition and survival And it's important as we go through these seasons to remember that survival is a season. It's okay to be in survival mode for a season, but survival is not a lifestyle. Survival is not something that we should be in long-term. We're not designed for that. We're not created to withstand the trauma of survival mode over time. And so just real quickly, I want to give you just some things to think about and some symptoms to be aware of over time if you stick or get stuck in survival mode. Number one, you may want to write these down just to have them as a reference at some point. Signs of survival mode as a lifestyle may include long-term spur-of-the-moment spending. Long-term spur-of-the-moment. Like when you bring a baby home from the hospital, you have no idea what the budget ought to be. Just if you need it, you buy it. I mean, that's you just do it. but that's not a good recipe long term. Another sign of survival mode. Frequent and persistent anxious thoughts, sadness or depression. Frequent or persistent anxious thoughts, sadness or depression. Detachment from significant relationships. I know that a lot of people struggled with this, particularly during quarantine. If you go back when you know, the COVID thing erupted about eight years ago in our lives, <laughs> that sometimes people would detach from community. We detach maybe from relationships because we were so uncertain of what was going on, which you can withstand that for a little while, but you don't want to stay there. The fourth thing to be aware of is just low energy, significant tiredness over time. Sometimes we get there, obviously, but if it stays there, that can be a warning sign to us. And then number five is just an inability to concentrate, an inability to concentrate. And we can all vacillate and ping pong between all of these things at one time or another, but that's why it's imperative that we have people in our lives. That, that's where community, whether it's the community of husband and wife or the community of the family of faith, we have those folks around us to say, hey, you're not yourself. And I, and I've noticed this over time. I I, I want you to be where God wants you to be. These kind of things can be an indicator to us that we're in survival mode, but we need to remember survival is okay for a season, but it's not a lifestyle.
1: And so what we want to do to wrap up, we want to give you a simple, um, some survival skills. Yeah some survival skills, some tools that you can put into place. And um, the first one I'm going to talk about is if you're in Fearless Mom, you get a snoop full of this. I'm such a believer in this activity. It's a great activity for children. It's a great activity for adults. I do it myself sometimes when I'm feeling like I'm out of control, when I'm feeling like life is out of control. Number one, recognize what you can't control. Recognize what you can't control. And this is the activity we do. And like I said, if you're in Fearless Mom, you've totally seen me do it before. It is so helpful. I love tactical, I love tactile, I love both. I love something that I can write down if you journal. So this is something for everyone. Recognize what you can't control. So you get a piece of paper, if you have a dry erase board, or if you have a big um, easel and a notepad, Um, Then you draw a circle. Draw a circle, you can do it on any size piece of paper. You draw a circle. Inside the circle, you write down things that you can control. Outside the circle, you write down things that you, what would you guess?
2: Can't Can't control. Control.
1: I'll start. Things I can't control. Mac, (laughs) okay, I mean, you know, 29 years of marriage, I've tried, I'm giving it up, he's outside the circle now. Um, only my control circle, not the circle of life. Uh, so things I can't control, but you know what? This is a great thing. I can't control others. I can't control their decisions. I can't control their feelings. I can't, I I've tried, I've tried to make everyone happy. I've tried, I can't control their happiness. What can I control? I can control my responsibilities I can, I'm just going to, uh, um, I can control how hard I work. I can control how much I work. I can control how kind I am. I can control so many things. I can control how I eat, how I sleep, how I exercise. There's so many things I can control. When things are feeling out of control, then it's good to look and say, am I controlling the things that I can? Because a lot of times you'd say, when you have a baby, when you have, bring a new baby home. You can't really control how much you sleep, but you can control. Hey, you know what? I'm not going to eat just goldfish and gummy bears here. I know that that contributes to how I feel. So control what you can and then recognize what you can't control. The thing about what you can't control, this is our tendency. My tendency is to write down all the things I can control and just focus on those. And I've learned that'll get you to a certain point. But the reality is We do a great disservice and we fall short if we don't list the things we can't control and consider how it makes us feel. So for instance, I can't control whether or not my kids are back in school. I can't control that. How does that make me feel? Makes me feel frustrated, makes me feel whatever. And then I look at it and go, okay, I see those feelings. I've named them. I'll deal with them, but then let me get back to what I can control because this is what happens with me. I don't like feeling frustrated. I don't like feeling sad. I don't like feeling angry. So I just ignore that and I just focus on what I can control. It'll only get you so far. So when you're talking with your family, when you're talking with um, coworkers, other family members, you say, you know what? Let's go ahead and talk about what we can't control. We're not gonna ignore that. There are some things we can't control. P.S. God is always in control. You know what God controls? Everything on this paper. Everything I write, He is ultimately in control. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do the things I can control and then I can respond appropriately to the things I can't control. You're not supposed to be able to control everything. And our feelings are all different. When I look at what I can't control, we all respond differently. I'll just take our family for instance. When things feel out of control, we have Emily who quits eating. We have me who eats everything in sight. And we have Joe who throws up everything he eats. Uh, Literally. And then we have Allison who literally, she said, I said, what is your response to uncertainty? I nap and cry. And then Sylvie, what's your, I just start doing all the tasks that I can everyone responds differently. Mac, he just gets excited. Uh, I'm like, what is that? But guess what? You look at your feelings without judgment and without comparison. There's no wrong way to feel about it. I could go on and on about this. As
0: a matter of fact, I have to say this because Julie won't. This She's been reading and studying and preparing for this. This is the new series of Fearless Mom that kicks off this fall. I'm going to tell you something. I have have gotten kind of a PhD in everything that she's talking about because she's been talking about it now for months and it's been wonderful. But I'm just telling you, Fearless Mom this fall is going to be unique and different and it's going to be absolutely unbelievable. If you are a mom, if you know a mom, if you've ever heard of a mom, you need to be a part of Fearless Mom this it's, fall. It's
1: all about um, uh, the title. Thanks, guys. It's not Mind Your Own Business. It's Own Your Mind Business. And it's about recognizing and wrangling your thoughts and feelings, not just teaching your kids, but yourself I don't think also. y'all
0: heard that. That's the greatest <laughs> title I've ever heard in my life. Own Your Mind Business. Julie Richard, ladies thanks, and thanks,
1: guys. We'll let you know how to sign up. We're working on that right now. Thanks, Matt.
0: So... Recognize what you can't control. Number two, remember who's in control. Remember who is in control. I want you to turn to your neighbor, even online. Turn to somebody close by and go, it ain't you.
2: (laughs) It ain't You. you.
0: Now this is where it gets a little tough because this is where I have to remember God is God and I am not. This is where we step back and and, and that verse that Julie read in Philippians chapter four, it is such a cling to pillar verse. This is a verse you can build your life around. You should memorize Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is his power. And and every time we gather together, every time there's a sermon, you should always ask yourself the question. This is part of how you, this is how you church. How does the gospel, how does the good news of Jesus matter in this subject, in this conversation? Where does Jesus fit in? Because the gospel makes everything better. The gospel makes everything better what God intends it to be. And when we remember that he is in control, that doesn't mean that bad things won't happen. As a matter of fact, it was Jesus himself who said, in this world, you will have many problems. Jesus himself said that. He he didn't say I was gonna take you out of the world. I was gonna take you out of the furnace or out of the problems. It's one of my favorite things about him is he promises, you will never do it alone. You will never walk alone through the furnace. I've seen him do it too many times. This isn't something I learned in seminary. I've seen him do it. I've I've experienced the power that raised Jesus from the dead, literally walking with me through furnaces, walking with me through storms, walking with me through changes and storms, through uncertainty, through pandemics, through people coming back to church, people watching online. I've seen him do it. And this is the message. Our capacity for growth is determined by our comfort with discomfort. You don't have to go looking for it, but when it rears its ugly head, lean into it. Remember, my God is still on the throne. My God is still in control. My Jesus still rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, I can weather any furnace, any storm, any whatever. So, I'm gonna see a victory. You're gonna see a victory. We're gonna see a victory. I wanna ask everybody in the room, and if you're at home, I wanna ask you to stand. Everybody, if you will just stand right now, and we're gonna pray. Not a a reflective, quiet prayer, but a declarative powerful prayer of faith that we will see this victory. Our Father and our God in this moment we lift you up. God we acknowledge that you are sovereign. That you are in control. And God that you hold us in the palm of your hand and you love us and you are good in your power. Father we worship you and we believe that because of you, we will see a victory. And we pray this prayer in Jesus' name.